and welcome to a very festive edition of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I'm going to be telling you about some of my top Christmas books to go under your Christmas tree. I've got a special interview with author Tracy Cordroy about her new book, The Boy and the Bear, as well as two other Christmas titles she has out this December. And I'll also be helping you out with some Christmas gift requests. We're going to start things off in this podcast with a very special interview with author Tracy Cordry, who was up to her neck in edits for her latest pony book, but very kindly took a break to talk to us about her three Christmas titles. Hello, Tracy. How are you today? Hi, Joe. Very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you very much for joining me. You're my first ever interviewee. Yay. <laughs> so you're here today to talk about your newest book that's out with Nosy Crow, which is called The Boy and the Bear. Could you possibly just tell um, our listeners a little bit about what the story is about? Yeah, so it's kind of essentially about giving people, or like in this case, a bear, a fair chance really before you decide what they're like and before you judge them. Because the boy, um, he basically wants a friend and he's very excited when he thinks he has one. And then he discovers that the potential friend is a big blue bear. <laughs> and 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 he's a little bit disappointed because they try to play the boy's games and it doesn't work out quite well, you know. And uh, the boy thinks, oh, dear, the bear's not very good at this. Um, but then throughout the course of the story, the bear shows the boy that, that he has talents and skills of his own and the boy comes to appreciate and love their their friendship and then of course it's winter and the bear disappears because he's hibernating and the boy doesn't understand and and misses him so much and it's sort of about that you know how you feel when you had something and then you've lost it and you appreciate how brilliant it was so and of course happily ever after the bear comes back um in spring and so the relationship can resume and have fun. And so happy ever after ending. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. I was going to say, because yeah. um, I know you best for writing the Shifty McGifty books, which I absolutely love. And they're very funny. And this book, obviously, as you've said, is not at all funny. Yeah. So um, the boy is really sad and looking for a friend. So why did you decide to write about um, those kinds of themes rather than the kind of more humorous style that I, I know you best for? So to be honest, Joe, I saw this. Um, I saw this illustration, um, the one uh, uh, on the cover, uh, uh, with the bear and the boy sitting on his shoulder. I saw it uh, a couple of years ago, actually, um, and and I fell in love with the illustration. And I, I I hadn't met Sarah then, and I I liked her work, but I didn't know her. Mm-hmm. And, and the illustration pulled me in. Um, because I always start writing uh, with character in mind first. Right. And I really have to find a character that sort of grabs me. And this bear, um, and the boy too, but particularly the bear, he sort of pulled me in really. And um, that's how the story started. I start from the starting point of my characters. And to me, this character, this bear, uh, his story was um, less sort of um, anarchical than Shifty and Sam and um, he had a different story to tell. So I have to listen to 
my characters really when I write their story. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you why um, when Boy eventually did find, find a friend, it was a bear. But I think you've kind of answered that question. The bear chose you rather than you choosing the bear, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, the bear chose, yeah, the bear chose me, the story. And, um, you know, how we can sort of have friends of, of all different kinds. And, um, yeah, I think uh, it's sort of, like I said, really important to start at the starting point of the character. And, I, and I'm captivated by kind of all all different sorts of characters as well. And um, quite often my stories start with me finding um, illustrations that I'm really drawn to um, because I feel like it's really important to have um, a relationship with the characters before you tell their story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to ask you, actually, um, Sarah um, Messini's illustrations are absolutely gorgeous. I agree with you. I actually wanted to ask you how closely you got to work with her on deciding how the final images were going to look? Um, Well, first of all, um, kind of, it was different with Sarah because, you know, the illustration, as I said, existed before the story. Usually um, the story will come and then the illustrations, but I wrote the story, sent it off, we, we edited the story, and then it was mainly just left to Sarah and the art directors, Nosy Crow, I think, to um, to decide on how it would all look. And then uh, eventually I get sent, um, you know, roughs and and I see it sort of laid out in pencil. So I kind of get an idea of how it's going to look visually and whether I feel like it's all working. Um, because then, of course, when the text is hung back in with the illustrations, certain things change sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're sort of happy that compositionally it's going to work and the pace is right and you've kind of got a variety of different visuals going on. So you've sometimes got the um, the vignettes where, you know, you see little snapshots of humour because there, there are little light parts of story too where you know they're playing their games and I love one of the illustrations where Bear just didn't understand hide and seek and you see him hide (laughs) yeah you know the silver birch tree and um, yeah but you know Sarah then she'll she'll bring in all these magnificent textures and you know the ferns and the trees and it's all just so stunning Mm. Um, and then finally you see the the files at the end and, you know, you're sort of blown away and, and then you get the actual copy. And again, it goes up another level when you think that you're not, you know, you've seen it in, in all its beauty. You're then surprised and delighted again because you get the actual physical copy through the post. So, yeah. um, but but during the course of that, you know, Sarah, Sarah will will creatively interpret it in her own way and occasionally um I will chip in where I feel like we need to change little bits of the text or just to smooth it, you know, to make sure it's it's nice and smooth and the um, words and the pictures are working together. So so it, it is an interactive process, but we both have our own parts as well. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you. That was really interesting. Okay. Um, one of the things that my children really liked when we, we um, read the book was the fact that the boy and the bear use paper boats to communicate with each other, which I thought was genius. Mm. Um, why did you decide to have them communicating with each other in that way? I wanted to take it back to basics, really, and just strip away 
all the clutter that we kind of have sometimes it interferes with kind of relationships and things going on and looking at Sarah's initial illustration that I fell in love with it was all just very pared back and very honest and really simple and um, and that pulled me into it really that um, you know the boy is in his sort of feral jumper and he's got his scarf and his gloves but really there's nothing other than nature um, going on in that story it's completely clean and uncluttered and I just felt like um, a paper boat is a really good simple um, kind of means of communication but something that takes you right back really you know you've only got the words and the paper but it means so much so so it was that kind of um, honest simplicity really I think I wanted to get by using the boats no it was a really good idea we really enjoyed that little detail they're hard though I tried to um, I tried to make one because I thought oh (laughs) this will be great because I can use these ideas and we can all all the children that I see we can make these paper boats and then I tried and then I tried and I had YouTube up and uh, and Kate Wilson was sending me links on how to make a paper boat and it was all going wrong and I thought okay we'll We'll maybe do some other activity. <laughs> yeah, I think sticky tape is the way for it. I can make the boat, but they always either fall <laughs> apart or they just go into a soggy mess. Yeah, yeah sticky tape. Good sticky idea. Sticky tape, I think, <laughs> is the way forward, the paper yeah. boats. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so um, we spoke a little bit about um, just as the boy and Bear became friends, Bear obviously disappeared again. Was that part of the reason why you chose a bear? So you could have him hibernating and disappearing and then reappearing. Was that a deliberate choice? No, I mean, I, I've got a lot of bears in my story. I, lo- I love bears because, you know, they're so big and they're so friendly and they, there's just something about them, sort of just like a big hug. Um, but in this case, obviously, the illustration was there and I and I had to work with what I fell in love with and um you know the bears hibernate so and it's also important really for the boy to reach a point in the story where he really really misses what he had um it really sort of cements his um his learning process and how he's felt through the story suddenly it's gone and and then he realizes it's only sometimes you know when you've lost something in your life you realize how brilliant it was and how much you miss having it so it was important really to to take the boy to that point in in that journey in that process in his own journey and then of course um the reconciliation is all the more powerful for the loss um yeah so that was that 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 was why I did that really yeah no it's a really lovely story I really have enjoyed reading it with my children um you've obviously been um super busy this year because you've also got two other very festive slightly more upbeat titles out with other publishers as well haven't you I have, yeah. Um, You have, you've obviously been so busy. Um, You've got um, It's Christmas, which is published with Little Tiger. And is it Tim Tim Warns? That one for you? Yeah, Tim Warns, yeah. So it's about um, Archie the rhino, who is very excited about Christmas, but all his 
ideas don't quite go to plan <laughs> does this in any way reflect Christmases past or present in your family yeah there have been Christmases where um there was quite a few Christmases I remember my husband you know used to work so hard during the year and then when he used to stop at Christmas he always used to he always used to get ill um you know he's been in hospital at Christmas because he's been ill and then there was one year I think he got the flu and I'm really bad, um, a really bad cook, and so I, I'm not usually entrusted with meals. I used to cook for my kids when they were little, and I've had tears, and one of them used to sort of cry, is, is that smell my tea, and things like that. So, <laughs> oh, no! Oh, um, and then one year, it was only, my husband was ill, and I said, right, don't worry about this, I can... Um, I can do this. I can. I can cook the the, the lunch, and I ended um, up um, sort of stuffing the chick, the turkey, the wrong the wrong end, and um, oh. it was all going. It was all going badly. And sometimes, you know, when you've got these expectations for Christmas, everything there's a tiny, tiny thing goes wrong, and it all gets blown up out of proportion because we all expect this perfect Christmas, but it's important just to take it. As it comes and you learn that as the years go on, just enjoy it for what it is and don't worry about it, really. If it's not all perfect, it doesn't matter. And Archie, he's just so enthusiastic about everything. The The books in the Archie series are all based on the issues, you know, that little children have, like No and Why and Now and More are, are the titles. And yeah. then, and it's basically about Archie being a bundle of enthusiasm um, and his enthusiasm knows no bounds, really. And sometimes, you know, it gets him into trouble. Um, but you can't help but sort of love him, really, because he's just very real. Um, and then the other book, um, the, the the Christmas Extravaganza Hotel. Yes. Yes, which is published by Tony Neal. I mean, that's just hilarious. And it's it was the idea of um, how... Christmas um it's sort of become so kind of commercialized and everything and to the point this is a bit ridiculous now and and bear in in that story he just wants a simple uh, a nice simple cozy Christmas quiet Christmas with um it was this idea of um finding joy in the simple things around you yeah I think it's called huggy huggy or huggy there's a theory oh yes yeah just enjoy the small things really during the day and bear is all about that like enjoying the moment the small things but frog is like the complete opposite Mm. so so he's after a tinseltastic christmas and he thought that's what he was going to get in the christmas extravaganza hotel but of course he's come to the wrong place and his map's upside down and he's distraught I have so, to say, sorry, my son was genuinely distraught for Frog at that point. My, my eldest son, who's now but mummy, this is really sad. Frog's so travelled all the way around the world and he's gone oh. to the wrong place. What's going to happen? And, I know. We all felt sorry for Frog. And when we saw the illustration of him absolutely crying buckets, you know, he's sort of, he's like that frog he's completely over the top in all things bless him and um bear bear just wants to give him a christmas that he'll love but can't give him the christmas that he wanted mm-hmm. and so he just wants to 
gently enjoy the moments with him and then hope that Frog enjoys them too. And by the end, of course, Frog's wanting the book his next day for next Christmas because um, they've had such a, a wonderful time just doing the simple things. So, mm. yeah. I have to say, very I, different. they are very different. But I have to say, I think the bear's idea of Christmas with the fire and the candles and the book, I yeah, think, I think Bear has the right idea, personally. Yeah, completely, exactly. I know, I know. I I feel like lighting the fire. It's very cold now, so this is what we all need. <laughs> yes, I have to huddle around a candle. That's as close as I get in my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Just before we um finish off, can I just ask you: Are there any Christmas books that you and your family always return to, and just really bring back really lovely Christmas memories for you? Well, it's very strange because there are a couple of sort of traditions that we we've had where my my girls are older now, so they you know they're um they're in their twenties now, and it's gone very very quickly but we every year we used to take out this um this little stage I bought once and i I bought it in a a tiny paper one it was, and I bought it in a petrol station one day I was filling up with petrol. And um, and it and you fold it out and it becomes like a little three D theatre, and um, there are children that that slot into like a Christmas play and they all have different roles and there's a little rhyme for each of them, and um, we used to do that every year. We used to get and we used to, and by the end we we knew all the rhymes and where they all went and they got so so worn the little tabs that they they wouldn't slot into the you know they got all a bit furry yeah. at the end. And we did that every year and we always used to know when sort of Bridget the Fidget was coming out and all that. So we used to do that. Um, but then the funny thing was that um, my youngest daughter, um, every she used to love the um, the horrid Henry Christmas um, story. Mm. And um, particularly, you know, the one where um, they're doing the nativity and... Um, you know Henry's causing chaos and mayhem and she used to love getting the tape the the tape from the library um and she used to get to the point where because she absolutely loves Christmas my youngest daughter she used to get to the point in about September <laughs> where she used to worry that when she's going to the library to get the Christmas tape like somebody would have it and she wouldn't be able to sort of have the build-up with Horrid Henry. And so she used to sort of start in about September nagging, like, can we, can we, can we go and can we see if it's there? Because we just because we, I need to get it. And so she used to have it. And literally, we used to have to keep on taking it out and taking it back and getting it renewed. And she used to keep it till about April, I think. <laughs> then it used to go back. And again, so in the end. After years and years and years of this, I decided one year I'd just like buy her our own. So yes, yeah, so there've been those ones we've come back to. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's lovely. No, thank you. And um, I bet I bet you didn't expect those answers, but there you go. <laughs> no, they're good answers. I like it. No, well, thank you so much for joining me for my very special Christmas podcast. And I hope that you and your family have have a lovely Christmas when we get there. Thank you very much, Joe, and, and to you and yours as well. And again, thank you very much for inviting me on. And uh, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. OK, bye. 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 
Christmas is one of my absolute favourite times for books. I love receiving books and I love choosing what I'm going to be giving to my nearest and dearest. So I'm going to share with you now some of the brilliant titles that my friends and their little ones can expect to find in their stockings this year. The first book I want to tell you about is called How Winston Delivered Christmas and that's written and illustrated by Alex T. Smith who you might know best for writing the Claude the Dog or Mr. Penguin books and it's published by Macmillan. Now this is a really gorgeous hardback book which is going to become a new family tradition I'm sure. It centres around a little mouse called Winston who sets out to deliver Oliver's letter to Santa. On the way, he has lots of very exciting adventures and makes lots of new friends. And it's written in 24 and a half chapters. It's a bit like an advent calendar in a book. The idea is that you read a chapter a day on the run up to Christmas. And with each chapter, you get some ideas of things to make and do, like mince pies or ideas of presents you could make, decorations you could make to go around the house. It's really something that's going to build up the excitement to Christmas even more than it already is. Um, It's recommended for five to nine-year-olds, but personally, I think I was excited to read this as my children were. My next recommendation is for the Winter Magic Anthology, which is um, curated by Abby Elphinstone and published by Simon & Schuster and it comes in um, hardback and paperback editions with a gorgeous cover illustrated by Melissa Castrillon. It's an absolutely stunning collection of short winter tales to dip in and out of whilst you're snuggled under a nice warm blanket with a mug of hot chocolate. Um, There are contributions in there from some of the UK's top children's writers and the pages are absolutely packed full of snow, magic and adventures. There are stories about snow queens, frost fairs, dragons, mischievous elves. There really is something in there for everyone. I'd thoroughly recommend it for anybody aged eight or upwards. The next two titles are real family favourites. The first one I want to tell you about is called Father Christmas Needs a Wee. Um, It's published by Red Fox Picture Books and is written by Nicholas Allen, who you might know best for having also written a book called The Queen's Knickers. Now, any story which begins, Father Christmas Needs a Wee, he's needed one since half past three, is absolutely guaranteed to draw the children in. Obviously, being Father Christmas, he gets lots of delicious goodies left out for him to nibble on over Christmas Eve. And it's only polite that he takes a bite and a sip of everything. So, predictably, about halfway through his shift, he is absolutely desperate for the toilet. So desperate that he forgets to leave the presents behind in the children's houses. Cue calamity and catastrophe. Um, it's, it's published, it's intended market is um, children aged two to three, but I have to say that my own children are considerably older than that and they still love it and I have used it very successfully in school for lots of lessons in maths about capacity. Buy it, I guarantee you will love it. The final picture book I want to tell you about today is a favourite of my youngest son, Book Boy Junior. It's called The Mouse That Cancelled Christmas 
written by Madeleine Cook and illustrated by Samara Hardy, published by Oxford University Press. Um, after a bauble-related tragedy as an infant, Mouse had decided that getting into the Christmas spirit is far too dangerous. Armed with his high-vis vest and megaphone, Mouse decides to take the health and safety of the creatures of Jingle Bed Forest into his own hands, stopping a lot of their Christmas fun. Luckily, the creatures of the forest have other ideas. Now, I think that in a time when some might say that health and safety regulations have gone a little bit crazy, this book is a wry look at that very problem. Um, All I can say is that I had to read this on a bedtime story loop for at least a fortnight, so it definitely stands rereading. And there are lots of little details and a little separate story going on in some of the illustrations to make sure you keep your eyes open as you are reading. We hope you enjoy it. I'm looking for a Christmas book for a three-year-old who absolutely adores dinosaurs. What do you suggest? Hi Claire, that's a good request Dinosaurs are a real favourite in our household, so I've got loads of brilliant titles I can recommend to you. Firstly, I would like to recommend a series that's written and illustrated by Penny Dale and is published by Nosy Crow. The first book is called Dinosaur Dig, where you have a team of dinosaurs working on a building site. You've then got Dinosaur Zoom, Dinosaur Rescue... Um, My son loved these and we read them over and over again at bedtime. If you prefer your dinosaurs a little more bad-mannered, I would thoroughly recommend Dinosaur Police, which is written and illustrated by the brilliant Sarah McIntyre and is published by Scholastic. In this book, Trevor the T-Rex goes on a bit of a pizza-eating rampage and has to deal with the windy consequences afterwards. Hilarious, and I read this on repeat at bedtime for at least a fortnight. The last dinosaur title I would like to recommend is called Nibbles the Dinosaur Guide and is written and illustrated by Emma Yarlett and is published by Little Tiger Press. This is actually the second title in the Nibbles the Book Monster series and this time, rather than chomping his way through various fairy tales, he is nibbling his way through a book about dinosaurs, finding all kinds of trouble as he goes. This book is so fantastic because it's full of peep-throughs and cutouts and flaps to lift. It's really engaging and I would thoroughly recommend both the Nibbles books, actually, for any children you have in your life. I hope that was helpful. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. If any of you would like to contact me for a particular recommendation of a book for somebody, there are a few ways that you can contact me. You can get hold of me on my blog and leave me a message there. That's at www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com Or if you're on Twitter, you can find me masquerading under the name of at bookSuperhero2. Or if you like to go a bit more old school and you're on Facebook, you can find my Facebook group, which is called Library Girl and Book Boy. 
easy peasy do please get in touch i love recommending amazing new books to people right well that is it for today's very special festive edition of the library girl and book boy podcast please do make sure to download and subscribe if you enjoyed it so you don't miss out on future episodes you definitely will want to make sure you listen to the next festive podcast because I am interviewing Sue Hendra and Paul Linnett about their new Christmas book, Snowball. But you might know them better as the dynamic duo behind the legend that is Sue Potato. Do make sure you join in. Happy Christmas shopping. Bye bye.